0: Looking to build wealth beyond the stock market? Gain access to alternative investment
2: opportunities once reserved for the ultra wealthy with Yield Street. Build a diversified portfolio with investments such as real estate, art, commercial finance, and other alternatives typically with low stock market correlation and targeting annual yields of up to 15%. Yield Street investment minimums start at $1,000. Head to YieldStreet.com to join over 275,000 members and create your account today.
3: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, Orr, close it, he's in. A backhander and a by Tony Esposito. Stan McKee, was a, a small guy. Very cocky in those days. I'm Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Nouveau. Murphy
1: picked out of mid-air to Abad. He's shot
0: him up. Roening! Hawks win! Hawks win! win! Jeremy Roening! 6'70", the score's hockey guy, Jay Zawaski. No more! Hawks win! win! again! Part of Blue Wire Podcasts. Him off the boards. He shoots. it going Down to the tines. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. back. The <laughs> Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's gonna be in last place forever. Center for You got Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, Dr. Squatch, and by the In Law Group, let's drop the puck.
2: Welcome into this special edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thank you so much for joining me here. We are going to interview author, sometimes writer, freelance writer, and all around great dude and huge hockey fan. Evan F. Moore, about his book, Game Misconduct, Hockey's Toxic Culture and How to Fix It. It comes out on October 12th through Triumph Books. You can pre-order now on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Just like when my book came out, I encourage everybody, and I'm sure Evan does too, to support your local independent booksellers. Let them know you want Evan's book and you know they'll bend over backwards to get that for you right on time for when it comes out little bit of a heads up here there is some salty language in the interview ahead so if you've got kids in the car just want to give you that heads up before we begin but without further ado let's bring you our interview with the sun times evan moore joining us now on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast is our friend and the author of game misconduct hockey's toxic culture and how to fix it evan f moore of the chicago sun times evan Thanks for joining us here on the Madhouse podcast. We could not be more excited for you and excited to have you as a guest on the podcast.
1: Oh, sure. Thanks uh, for having me. I listened to the podcast as well, and it uh, seems like a lot of folks uh, love it.
3: Yeah. Note he didn't say he loved it. I, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm writing that down on my list of greetings. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's I listen to it. <laughs> i listen you to listen it to something you don't like that's fair i listen
2: to it and other people like it that's that's what i got from evan and that is accurate
3: <laughs> we're adding that to our promo copy on our website or something
2: yeah that sounds good all right so evan's book we just mentioned it game misconduct hockey's toxic culture and how to fix it comes out via triumph books on october 12 2021 i know that seems like a far way away but guess what it's available for pre-order right now on Amazon or wherever you get your books. Evan, first question, what was your inspiration in writing game misconduct?
1: Well it's something I've been messing with for a long time whereas, you know, I write a freelance story and it'll go nowhere, or there's a uh, little thing that was kind of the down over time. And Josh Vena was kind of doing the same thing. And I remember a tweet from her saying like, hey, someone should me to write a book about hockey culture, and I had we had already had known each other already because I had been on her on her podcast and met her like on Twitter, like so like everyone else, everyone else kind of meets these days. And uh so I DM'd her was like, "Hey, I'm literally kicking around the same idea. Perhaps we said, you know, uh, team up. Or it could be like you know, like the like the Avengers or or something like that." So it was like, you know, that's cool. And everyone we from there, and obviously, not feel like some of the people I know who've written books in the past. So I just kind of looked at it that way in terms of, you know, like which publisher do we go to and, and everything else. So yeah, that's kind of how I really started.
3: And Evan, I've known you obviously for a really long time and I've known that you, you play a lot of hockey, you play for the diddlies. I love loved your jerseys you've worn when you've played uh, hockey in the past. I do like to ask our, ask our guests what, how they got into hockey. I know my journey was watching it on a 13 inch TV on ESPN, played a lot of roller and street hockey. How did you yourself get into the sport of hockey? Like what kind of introduced you to it and kind of kept you going in the sport?
1: Well, I get that I get that question a lot for you know obvious reasons on literal face value, and um, I would say I was a kid and I was watching the Calgary 88 Olympics, and I believe one of the games was the was the was the Russians and the and the Swedish team, and the sport just looked because obviously with Olympics, there the the ice is bigger than it is in standard NHL, and and it looked like really like fun and and dangerous. Mm-hmm. It really is. The sport, the, the sport. Like I pretty much was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. You know, like wow, what is this? And I've been had been a fan of the sport, you know, since then. But obviously, while I grew up in the city, there weren't really any, you know, ranks, But I still, you know, stayed a fan. Like you know, like you know, most folks. And I feel like I saw a lot of Blackhawks game growing up, and all of a sudden they stopped for some reason. You know, I don't know if anyone else uh, feels that way, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember, you know. Um, you know, Secord and Dirk Graham and Eddie Belfort, Jellios, Ronick, all the all the folks that are in uh, Jay's uh, book.
2: And, uh, <laughs> Thank
1: you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I, yeah. And like most people, you know, I became, I was still a fan of the sport, but when the Blackhawks, obviously, you had this thing where, like, still, when someone gets really good and they win some games, they got to be shipped off somewhere. hmm. And you know, you just kind of see that going. And I was like, "Man, they don't care me, and why should I?" You know, it's kind of looked at it for a long time. But I guess I came back around. Um, you know, when they drafted uh, Kane, and I was like, "Not, not really." That it was like I came back around, and I would say, "Because you guys might remember that one." They, they made the playoffs. Like it was really brief, and it was it was that uh, year that. Um, that Jordan first plays for the Wizards and I think it's another team in the town was in the playoffs, but it was like a really shitty Saturday. Cause like, I feel like they lost Jordan came back to town wearing a, a, a wizard jersey. I'm sorry if I cursed. I mean, you guys can get that out of there, I guess. You can That's say shit. Can... It's fine. Okay. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Fuck yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that kind of was, I started with that and then yeah, I picked it back up when Kane and Thames came around. I remember watching the draft highlights and like, look, Kane, that dude's like really young. It's like, it's got to be like somebody who's like, you know, a little brother or something. Yeah. I was like, this guy really fucking young. And I saw him play like, man, he's really good. Like, holy shit, like, he was really good. So, yeah, so that's James. That's my uh, bit of a condensed uh, hockey uh, origin story. Well, I mean, that's why I got into the
3: Buffalo Sabers and the Colorado Avalanche in the late '90s. So I feel you on that. And now, of course, Evans making us feel old because he's reminding us that Patrick Kane was like a baby, and now he's going to be 33 years old this year. So
2: yeah, one of my first, <laughs> the first thing I ever yeah. covered at the Score for hockey was the Kane draft. I remember just seeing him with like the hair sticking out of his hat. And he's all pimply faced, and now he's an old, you know, just I don't want to say old man, but he his age is is showing. You know, you've seen the miles on his body, but anyway, Evan, I want to talk to you, uh, sort of back to the book here. This is, of all sports, addressing the culture in hockey is something that uh, seems way behind the other games. And I'm, you know, part of it is that it is mostly a sport played by white men, um, you know, so there's not a lot of confrontation for that culture, right? It's just kind of always been that way. It's how it seems like it will always be. So when you went about this project, I'm sure it was challenging for you to find people in hockey, willing to address it. Who are some of the people you reached out to and and maybe who are some of the people that surprised you um, with their insight on this topic?
1: Well, I guess our, me and Jasmina's reputation kind of uh, precedes itself and, in- People knew us from writing about these uh of these issues for various outlets I've written about in the past and she's written about. And we kind of like, in terms of like, when we were like, hey, we're going to do this. I remember one of our first meetings with the publisher Triumph, I remember we we're on a conference call and one of them said, yeah, you guys are awesome. You know, they're solid earth they're, and everything else. I'm like, okay, well that's it right there. Like it is why this book <laughs> needs to be, why we have to, uh, we need to write something because why do we see you know, someone from, like, you know, I guess Taze is from a farm in Saskatchewan or something like that, and Kane is from Buffalo, and why do we say, see guys like that as uh, the boy next door who who made good, and we see folks like Derrick Rose and, and, and LeBron, who, if you really think about it, is an American success story with his background of a from a single mother and moving from housing project to housing project, and then, you know, making what he's doing now in terms of... Being one of the best basketball players ever, and he he takes his friends and his family along with. So that's that sounds pretty, you know, like uh, inspiring to me. But why did why do some folks in in hockey uh, circles, you know, see him as someone who's arrogant, selfish, and and all these other things that we see? Because I guess for someone like me who covers the sport, who covers not covers it, but like who's a fan of both sports. And you see this thing with hockey fans where it's like, cause hockey is a really great sport. There's no need to prop itself up. Like Stanley cup finals, final, all the mystery behind the cup and everything else. Like it's, that's unmatched to me in any professional sport. And why do these folks feel the need to, to pick out a sport who they say they don't watch, but always have something to say about, you know? and um, I guess for me when I first saw it I actually was was on 670 and like one of the iterations of the of Dan Bernstein show. Like I remember him, you know, mentioning that and he, even he saw like something was going on. It was kind of weird. And then I started seeing stuff online. I remember the first meme I saw that we actually touched in the book. It was a meme about, because uh, we know that, you know, the Stanley Cup final and the NBA finals, you know, they, they basically happened at the same time. And it was a meme from 2013 and Beckley was talking about how how many times LeBron said "I" when he was interviewed after oh, they man. had won, the yeah. Heat had won, and then they did a comparison with Taves and it was like, okay, I see what y'all doing here, and then right, and yeah. <laughs> and, and you we kind of dissect that meme in the book where it's like, well, he was asked a question he can only answer, and before he even said anything about himself, he thanked the Spurs, mm-hmm. like <laughs> you know, like this. <laughs> You know, and it was like, okay, well, there's you know, no need to, for hockey and hockey fans, hockey culture, to prop itself up when the sport is really good all by himself. But but yeah, you know, it's uh, it those type of things that we kind of discussed in the book and getting back to the original question to help us stray too far away. But um we both, like, took certain sections of the book that we were kind of more so versed on. I even wrote about something I really you know, was a blind spot for me. And in terms of John Davina's case, he's he actually covers, you know, uh, college hockey and youth hockey. And that kind of was like her thing. And I kind of, you know, if I had things to add along the way, I would, but, but for me, it was more so like on my end was talking about race and hockey culture and, and scouting and how players are perceived and like, you know, how there's some racial component, there's some generational component, there's some cultural component, but in terms of, People we spoke to, Josh uh, Venus, he spoke to uh, Ryan Miller. And, you know, you know how great he is, how he recently retired. And mm-hmm. it really was. That's what was reading our, what's he, our copy and everything else. It was like, yeah, shocking to me that we got a white player on the record to talk about race in hockey, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow. Like it's, and from people we spoke to, we spoke to pretty much every stakeholder you can think of that's in the sport, whether it's uh, fans, parents, players, youth level, high school, professional, talk to scouts. We talk to people who cover scouting. We talk to fans, like any anyone you can think of that's involved in the sport in one way, shape, or form has something to say. It wasn't like, you know, people were like scared because people, our reputation, you know, kind of, sees us and when we did speak to people I did like have a speech ready like hey this is our book this is what we're doing this is what we want to discuss and I think when people find out about the book and know of our work and everything else uh, taking a term that we're using these days people long-term hockey fan think we're trying to cancel hockey and that's not the case we're we both love hockey. We want it to be better. And some people are like, how come you're not talking about all the stuff that goes on in other sports? Well, yeah, we do somewhat, but this mm-hmm. is a hockey centric book. So I'm going to talk more about some of the stuff that that's going on over the years. So it's, I think it's what we said. And, you know, it's a, we think it's a book for someone who's a, a modern hockey fan and yeah. someone that, I mean, this happened the other day with what WBZ reported. I mean, you know, like, it's like <laughs> as a fan of the team or a deserver, like, that's something you have to sit down and think about. It doesn't make you a bad fan if you, mm-hmm. you know, like, think about these things. Like, well, wait a minute. Like, you know, why, why, did the, why did it have to be this way? And, like, you know, like, why, 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 why would someone say, you know, like, say all the stuff they said? And, like, you can to see from what was written, that player was basically gaslit. And, you know, it's like, what's going on here? So, but, yeah, we definitely do talk about a lot of that stuff. And, like, we turned in our – our manuscript back in January and so much has happened to hockey since then, right? So,
3: yeah. Well, uh, just for the benefit of our listeners, Evan speaking about a, a WBZ exclusive report that a member of the 2010 Blackhawks organization has accused the team of not responding properly when he said he had been sexually assaulted by a video coach. I would encourage everybody to read WBEZ's uh, journalist, just masterpiece of journalism, I thought. Really well written, really asked a lot of really important questions about the culture of the Blackhawks. Would highly encourage anybody to read that story. And Evan, I did want to, I wanted to kind of touch on something you had mentioned in your last answer. And it was kind of the memes about LeBron James and Jonathan Tabes and just the way that hockey fans are always like, oh, love my sport. You know, we get hit and we get back up and we don't get wheelchaired off like Paul Pierce and blah, blah, blah. And it just, it speaks to an element of pretty significant gatekeeping that ends up happening in hockey fandom. And I think Jay and I usually approach it from the perspective of hardcore hockey fans, kind of keeping out everybody else. But I also feel like, as you've mentioned in your book, I'm sure there is also a big time element of it when it comes to attracting basically non-white hockey fans to get into the sport. Do you guys get into that kind of gatekeeping at all? And just kind of ways to potentially address that?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, we definitely talk about that. And we do talk about it in, a, in an expansive way. I mean, because there have been books out there about race in hockey, but. There's really nothing like this out there. And yeah, we do talk about those things, how 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 it's viewed. And I always tell this story sometimes when I remember I was walking into Johnny's Ice House West. You know, this is, you know, in a, you know, um, let's be honest here. It's in a, it's a rough area, you know, I'm in right off of, you know, Madison and west of uh, Western. I remember like walking in on my gear and it was a group of like, you know, five or six black men. you know, walk, walking towards me. But as I'm walking towards the door and they are completely shocked to, to see me and they look at me and they're like, you know, they, they let brothers in there. I'm like, uh, yeah, they do. Of course, they go check us out. We about to play in a few minutes, and you know, and they kept walking. And it wasn't a thing where I was just like, okay, here we here we go again. Because for a lot of people, I am a conduit to hockey. If They want to talk about hockey, and they they come to me about it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. friends and people know me for a long time. So yeah, we do talk about the gatekeeping aspect and what keeps you know what keep people out and what keeps people you know away and. You know, in Chicago, um, people like in any story, like people like winners, and particularly locally. You know, when you know uh, you might remember it was during the uh, the 13 Stanley Cup run, I believe, or the 15, probably more so 15. But you know, when they when they was uh, WGN and like I think it was Marcus Lashockey was walking out the street, some guys walking out the street. He was like, "Blackhawks so good!" <laughs> like black people liking hockey, and you're just kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, okay," but you know, but. Yeah, you know, there is a stigma where it's like you feel like that you go to the game or you see all this stuff and you do feel like you stare at. I mean, it's it's been times where when I first started going to games and going to the rink, I could literally feel people staring at me. You know, you're just like. We live in Chicago, so it's like not like it's not like, you know, like out of the ordinary to see, you know, a black person, you know, and. I get it at times where you say you see somebody I remember one time I was on the ice and like it was I guess it was like a stop and then play. and like I just had to be looking up in the crowd I got see somebody like looking at me and tapping their friend and pointing at me I'm just like this is a fucking zoo like <laughs> relax you know and so you sure
3: it's not because you're a celebrity dude <laughs>
1: I'm, uh, I'm like I always tell people I'm 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 uh, locally famous like zip code famous like it's <laughs> a zip code or where I'm like I think that there's a level of celebrity there but yeah you know it's like we do definitely we do discuss gatekeeping aspect and we do talk to fans I mean we talked to uh we have uh, what's the name of the book uh Tony X we talked to him oh nice I mean,
3: yeah oh nice yeah
1: yeah we talked to him and you know, I was kind of wondering, because it has been a few years already since, you know, we all like saw him on Twitter and just was laughing our ass off. And like, it was like, it was so great about it because it was so pure. Like, he had no idea, no hangouts about anything. He just saw the game for what it was, as I saw it as a kid. And I mm-hmm. thought it was the most amazing thing ever. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, I was sitting there watching that. Like, you know, you want to be a wet blanket. Like, I just hope somebody, that some people come up and fuck it up for me. Just, he's like, like, see, that's why I believe what I already have believed and go on to do something else. But proud to him to still sticking with it you know like uh so but you gotta pay off rather quickly you know the blues went in so
2: (laughs) very little suffering for tony x that's good good for him he came out at the right time (laughs) our interview with evan moore continues in a moment on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
3: the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy from big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed marketplace breaks it all down. So you don't have to listen to marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Our guest on the
2: madhouse podcast is sometimes writer and author Evan F Moore his book game Misconduct hockey's toxic culture and how to fix it is out October 12th on Triumph books but pre-orders are available now Let's get right back to the interview So aside from the obvious uh, racial cultural issues and uh, you know the toxic environment there what are some of the other things because we've seen you know more so than other sports the the sexual assault things happening in hockey uh, we've had very recent episodes of homophobia. On and off the ice, what are some of the other uh, topics aside from race that you get into in the book?
1: Uh, we get into um, ableism. I mean, I, I mean, uh, this being honest, like um, it's something that's a uh, blind spot for me. I mean, because obviously, when you think of like ableism from the jump, like you think of someone in a wheelchair is like a make a wish moment, and like Taser probably comes out and like, hey kid, and smiles like this, and then goes back to what they're doing or whatever. But yeah, we do talk about how, um, how way back when, how the uh, the, wing, the the company that owns the uh, Joe Louis Arena where the wet wings for me playing and then how fans sued them because, because of that, where they had to add like extra ramps and seats. Because of that, we also discussed that ableism isn't just like, like I said, like someone in a wheelchair. Like for instance, I talked uh, for the story, for the, I'm sorry, for the book, I talked to a uh, deaf hockey player and our interview was basically all through text. You know, and um, and then I talked to another person. Um, he plays. He's a, a army veteran. He plays for the Blackhawks Warriors. I don't know if you all are familiar with that, but you know, they you know that's that's a team comprised of uh, veterans. And um, he talked about his ableism, how he got hurt. He got how you hurt his back while he was uh, in uh, Operation uh, Iraqi Freedom. And he discussed. Um, uh, because when you meet him and everything, cause we met a couple of times and like, there's, you don't see any outwards, like, you know, disability or anything like that. He can walk, he can do everything else. And, but, you know, like when he's, he has a tough time explaining the family, you know, like, Hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm disabled, but you know, you can't like physically see it, but I am, you know? And so we talk about that. We talk about, uh, uh, obviously, you know, homophobia. We talk to, uh, members of the Chicago Gay Hockey Association, and they had a lot of stuff to say, good things to say, and a lot of pretty awful things that happened to them over time. And we talked to the, the New York iteration of that organization, um, a couple of folks who's worked with uh, You Can Play, and we talked to uh, Brock McGillis um, and a few other folks. Uh, in terms of, like, other things that we discussed, we discussed uh, on the Josh Venus and she discussed, like, the structure of of uh, hockey organizations, like, you know, like Hockey Canada, USA Hockey. And, and we also talked to another um, young lady, who's a player uh, who played on uh, Singapore's Olympic team, who, who plays for um, for Allie Lawrence's team, the uh, North Stars, and mm-hmm. she also coaches here in the city and about some of the stuff she uh, deals with as someone who's, who's a coach. And, <clears throat> and we do get into youth hockey and how crazy and, and nutty that, that, that is at times. And even with my own daughter, I'm I'm starting to see it like this. So i just I remember like I was, we were at some event, and like some kid was on the ice, and the get and the girl wanted to go to the restroom, and Dad took her off. He was like pissed, like that he had this. He had to go in the middle of this hockey thing. I'm like, she's not gonna make the lead today. Yeah, really. Yeah,
2: unbelievable.
1: But, yeah, so it's definitely a lot of topics in terms of you know uh, race and how teams are constructed and, and like, uh, and scouting and turn to the scouting aspect. Um, you start, we notice some differences, like not differences, but similar things. It's like, we see how discussing always in the NFL with black quarterbacks and people saying like, Oh, you should go play another position or, or how we for years talk about, you know, Peyton Manning, and Rodgers, but then we talk about Michael Vick and, and, uh, and Cam Newton and, and hockey, there's a similar conversation with the center position. Yep. you know and you know really see a whole lot of black players plants uh sent in the sentiment position and we had you know obviously Quentin Byfield drafted last year and and that position is like you just think about it like you know you think a lot of the same similar things are said about why a black quarterback gets moved to receiver or defensive back or or, or whatever so that's kind of, that's part of it too and uh yeah, this uh we also talk about um in, in Chicago, you probably know this from the score too, Jay, and, and everything else is like you have like these people, you folks who who demand more coverage of the Blackhawks, mm-hmm. but also you know, they're like, Why are we talking about the Bulls and not thinking of you're in Chicago, a little basketball mecca, so mm-hmm. coverage di- dictates that it, it rates better, you know, and some folks though, understand that. And then we were kind of like, okay, well, I wonder if this is happening in other cities or like, you know, Red Wings fans mad at Pistons fans when they were really good or, or Flyers fans like angry when Alan Irish was, uh, was doing a thing or, or, you know, so we, it turns out like, you know, yeah, some of this happens in other cities, but we even, um, talked about even some folks in Toronto who, who feel like that, Hey, like, they even feel like, you know, there's a gatekeeper aspect. And we tie that into why you see so many NBA players coming out of Canada in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. And some of that is their families and them saying like, yeah, we don't want to deal with all that foolishness that goes on with the sport. Cause we talked to one person who he played youth hockey up there and he, he got racism from fans, teammates, parents, and the kid. And after a while, the parent was like, no, screw this. He pulled him out. And years later, when it came for his kids to to have an interest in playing, he was like, no. Like, he didn't want them to go through that. And that's, look at it, that's fucking sad. (laughs) Like, you know, like, that he had went through all that. And then, you know, he's years later, the kids get to that age where he's at or they might be interested. And he's thinking of what happened to him when he was a kid and he doesn't want any any parent, you know, wouldn't want their but if they can put their, if they don't want to put their kid through that. you know, I frankly don't blame them.
3: Man, there's so many just intrinsic issues and you get on so many of them during this conversation and any one of them could end up just being a really compelling conversation and podcast on their own. I think instead of trying to delve into like 14 different areas, maybe go straight ahead. Um, What kind of did you guys reach any conclusions just kind of on the best way to kind of move forward and kind of address some of these uh, concerns, whether it be homophobia, racism in the game, anything like that? Were there kind of solutions offered by some of the people you talked to? did you or Josh Vina kind of reach any of your own conclusions? Like kind of what's the, I guess the narrative arc and kind of the ending, I not to spoil everything, obviously, but were there any just kind of like conclusions that you guys reached based on the conversations that you had?
1: Yeah. I mean, I always say like that, you know, we all aware of therapy and, and intervention and everything else. I mean, I've done therapy and uh, you guys talked about that a little bit and, and when you talk, we, you, I always think like, Hey, you know, hockey needs therapy or some type of intervention. And when you do that, you do have to discuss, you know, like you got to unpack some things and you know, discuss how they got to where they're at or what we're doing now. And and everything else Just think about what happened with Akimalu. Like it was, mm. that was something that was, you know, he, he compressed that for a very long time and having to come out in, in the way it did. And people started to listen and he listened to when he started talking about it, he felt like he had nowhere, you know, to go to. So he had to, you know, let's basically hold that in. And that's something that's, you know, it's happened to me over time. But um, I'm going to ask you a question in the, best, in the best way I can. But yeah, we did some of the folks we did speak to did come up with uh, solutions and and it's pretty much up to I don't want to put the onus on certain folks, but it's like, hey, you know, you. You know, these people are telling you what's going on, and it isn't like mm-hmm. you don't know. You, you made a conscious adult decision, you know, not to know. Right. And, and you know, I think about, you know, my own daughter playing, and I remember when I was called, you know, DM worried we about a teammate in high school, and I didn't tell anyone, you know, like I held that in because I, even at the 14, 15 year old, you kind of already know, like, would I, would I go to a coach who's probably a drinking buddy with this guy's uh, dad or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, or whatever. And for me, I think about my own, like I said, I think about my own kid. What she played this, is probably inevitability. It's fucked up to say, it's going to be inevitability where, you know, somebody's going to say something on her based on her appearance. And I want it to be a situation where, Hey, you know, something happens. She can come to me. She can, go to a coach and the coach don't handle it. We go, you know, if you got to handle it on the ice, I mean, good. And we're dad will handle it in the stands or somewhere else. So, so, so that's definitely, um, yeah, to answer your question. I mean, it's, we, a lot of the folks we've spoken to have, uh, you know, given their thoughts and, and say like, Hey, this is, this is happening and you need to listen. And yeah. we seen hockey just be slow to, to everything, it shouldn't have taken, you know, George Floyd and yeah. and Taylor Sagan and Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane putting out better statements than their teams. Oh teams God. <laughs> I, I did
3: I did want to ask you about that specifically. I had that note in my uh kind of notes here about the interview, uh, the Derek Chauvin murder trial. The NHL statement to that was some of the most mealy-mouth nonsense I had ever seen in my life. And it was really frustrating to see that. And then when you couple that with uh, some of the stuff that went on with the Hockey Diversity Alliance that the league was talking this big game about working with, and then they inevitably broke away from the NHL because the NHL basically didn't want to do anything concrete. It just seems to me that the solutions are being offered to the NHL and to all these junior organizations, and there just seems to be a lack of willpower or willingness to kind of get into some uncomfortable areas and to actually do the hard work necessary to address these things. Is that a fair thing to say?
1: Yeah, it is. You just think about it. Like when did the NHL first start doing all this diversity stuff? Like 1995, and they were getting their act together then. They wouldn't. There wouldn't be a hockey diversity alliance. Yeah, and it all kind of goes back to uh, one of the questions that Jay asked earlier about the topics we cover, and we do talk about media's role in how these players are viewed and what we say to them. And I remember uh in the book we do talk about one person from the um Hawks beat who i remember like on july 4th uh colin Kaepernick had tweeted about how you know about July fourth and y'all black people were still slaves back then so this ain't really a thing and you know person basically wrote back like it's hey you don't like america leave you know and i honestly thought about naming that person and i'm just like well if it happens that way it's only going to go to that person. We're talking about the entire system, not this one person. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, well, the one person, you know, who you go to for hockey information, you know, has the thoughts and feelings. And then the couple with, you know, like how this stuff is kind of going on in the league. And for a long time, just talking to different players. And they were like, you know, I don't think, uh, uh, Players' Alliance type of is gonna happen. This was pre-COVID and pre, you know, um, everything that happened last summer. So, yeah, we do that. Obviously, get into those areas where it's like it's like a united front to like look the other way, you know. And yeah. and you know, you don't want to, you know, these folks don't want to see it. But it's like when it's like people. I, I just be a part of conversation sometimes when people are like, yeah, diversity is great. This is awesome. And then you explain to them. You know, some of the uh, nuances of that, you just literally feel the air suck out the room. It's like the conversation gets like way too heavy.
3: Oh, you mean there's work involved, not just words?
1: Yeah, like it's better than more than retweets and, yeah. and hashtags and everything else. Like it's, I'm not asking these folks, we're not, none of these folks are asking, you know, hockey does fix every problem or anything like that. But it's like, well, why does this sport have these specific, you know, problems. It's just I mean there's nobody at at Bulls games yelling badmen badmen all over again to to Billy Diamond or Laurie Marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's like we had that thing with Devontae Smith pelly at the United Center and everyone widely known in hockey culture knows what was going on there. Mm -hmm. You know, and and why you yell basketball only specifically to a black player you you know what you're doing and what you're really trying to say yeah. you know and uh <clears throat> so i think um we just work for this book man we're just james we're just trying to kickstart a, a long overdue conversation i'm not getting rich off of this i mean abo or netflix comes my way and they want to do something that'll be <laughs> awesome for me but yeah you no know, but we're kickstarting a uncomfortable you know conversation and it's they folks out there have been given multiple chances yeah. to do right by folks, and and like you know, it's something where it's like, well, if you involve people in the game, like we saw the other day about what what Wayne Simmons said about you know, um, about the team barber, like you know, I, I mean, he ain't going to supercuts, <laughs> you know, and yeah, and why couldn't? someone up there, I don't know, speak to the Raptors or speak to anyone that's like, hey, like we need to get a barber here. Like for, we got a, a player, you know, who has a different type of hairstyle than the rest yeah. of the guys. So for we weeks, have somebody on standby, you know, just in case. But there's always folks telling them and it's like weird, it's, it's this thing where it's like, you can just feel like that, the tone of how things are said and it kind of makes people, you know, like retreat retreat or whatever, but there's something, you know, has got to be done. And maybe this book is the callous, where people actually see it and, and see these things and and be like, oh, shit, like, you know, like it's I don't want just hockey fans to read a uh, do. I would love someone who you know, who probably, you know, see this uh, podcast and see this episode and turn up their nose or turn it off later on down the line and Pick up the book, or or reach out to one of us on what they can do. So it's we're not trying to like middle finger everybody, but you know it's like you know we, we're having a conversation, a tough conversation, and sometimes you you gotta have these conversations
3: you're staying you're staying it great man a conversation without ultimate action is only going to go so far and i do hope that this book spurs not only a lot of conversation but a lot of action too so thank you for bringing that up man that is really important to remember in all of this
2: absolutely the book is called game misconduct hockey's toxic culture and how to fix it it is out october 12th 2021 via triumph books but you can pre-order it now On Amazon.com. Evan F. Moore, thank you so much for joining us on the Madhouse Chicago.
0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the Sins in Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.